This is the Cosmosphere Podcast, Episode 9, Mission Operations Control Room. I'm John Mulnix, and I'm your host for this monthly look at history, science education, and what's up at the Cosmosphere. You can catch me here on this podcast and on my other show, The Space Shot. It's been a while since we last spoke. I've started a new job in the aerospace industry, and I've been exceedingly busy, which is why I haven't had time to sit down and record episodes with the fine people at the Cosmosphere. We appreciate your patience, and I'm excited to dive back into producing these podcasts every month. Also, one other programming note before we get started today. I'm speaking with Tori Bruno, the United Launch Alliance CEO, for the August edition of the Cosmosphere podcast. Due to scheduling issues, that conversation won't be available until late August. I guess he is the CEO of a company that launches spacecraft to pretty much every destination in our solar system, so we can't complain. He's a busy guy. For this month's episode, I sat down digitally with Jack Graber, the Vice President of Exhibits and Technology at the Cosmosphere. We talked about the MOCA restoration project that's currently underway at Spaceworks, the restoration and conservation experts at the Cosmosphere. Unfortunately, I didn't have time to chat with Carla about what's up at the museum for this month's episode, but we will hear from her next month. I'm attending the Adult Astronaut Adventure the first weekend in August, and will be sure to chat during my time there. I'm also hoping to get some cool audio content, plus pictures, and more from my time at the Adult Astronaut Adventure, so stay tuned for that. Before we jump into our conversation with Jack, let's listen to some audio from Mission Control during Apollo 11. The people you're about to hear operated the very consoles that are being restored and preserved by Spaceworks. This is audio from the moments leading up to Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin touching down on the lunar surface. Enjoy. Okay, all flight controllers, go now, go for landing. Retro. Go. Fido. Go. Guidance. Go. Control. Go. Telcom. Go. 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 Ecom. Go. Surgeon. Go. Capcom, we're go for landing. Eagle, Houston, you're go for landing. Over. I don't understand. Go for landing. 3,000 feet. Stop alarm. 1201. 1201. Roger, 1201. 1201 alarm. Same type. We're go flight. Okay, we're go. We're go. Same type. We're go. Flight sight right on. Real 2, good, Roger. 2,000 feet. 2,000 feet. Into the ag. 47 degrees. Roger. How's the margin looking, Bob? It looks okay. We're okay. about four and a half. Roger. Eagle looking great. You're go. Altitude update in the eggs. Looks good. Roger. Roger, 1202. We copy it. How you doing, Control? We look good here. Fine. Roger, how about you, Telcom? Go. Guidance, you happy? Go. Fido. Go. 700 feet, 21 down. 33 degrees. 100 feet down at 19. 540 feet down at 30, and at 15. Attitude hold. Okay, at hold. I think we better be quiet. Right. 
Right. Okay, the only call outs from now on will be fuel. Okay, forward. 10 and 50 feet down at 4. P60, 30 and down. Your peg uh, done uh, horizontal velocity. 300 feet down, 3.5. 47 forward. Put up. And one and a half. One and a half down. 70. Today we're talking with Jack Graber, the Vice President of Exhibits and Technology at the Cosmosphere. He's going to tell us a little bit about the process of the Moker restoration. Jack, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So last time I saw you, it was back in January, a little bit chillier than it is right now in Kansas. And the first of the 19 consoles from Mission Control were being unloaded. Fill us in on what's happened since then. Sure. Yeah. Well, a lot's happened since January. It's uh, got obviously a lot harder uh, here in Kansas. Uh, I Unfortunately. We're, yeah, we're right around 100 degrees today. But Ooh. along with the heat, the project is getting hot as well. Um, That's good. Yeah, we are uh, right in the thick of things. Last time we had talked to you, we were uh, starting to gather information about uh, what was missing, what wasn't missing, what we need to reproduce, what we don't need to reproduce, and kind of have a... Uh, intro into the consoles and to the process that we'd be going through. Um, at this point in time, um, we are probably uh, 
I'm going to say somewhere around 60 to 70 percent uh, done with the first uh, two rows, the trench and the second row. Um, okay. We have um, we've created all kind of parts, including um, the flat panel faces that would be the monitor faces um, that are the more rounded style to look uh, as they did back in uh, the Apollo era versus the shuttle era. Okay. Uh, we've yeah, we've created uh, number counters. Um, we've created a lot of the missing parts. Um, we've cleaned. I think we're just about done to the last console as far as the cleaning process goes. Okay. Pre yeah, preservation process. So it's going really well. That's awesome. So the biggest thing really is, you know, NASA's wanting to be able to have mission control basically look like it did during Apollo 15. So part of that switch was just like you were mentioning the monitors. There's the switch from the old CRT, the old tubes to a more modern LCD panel uh, just for, you know, like power and everything. Talk a little bit about that process. Like what's what's it been like taking those older monitors out and replacing them with newer technology? Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's it's a it's a fun process especially for some of the guys in the shop and even me myself that uh, remember the old style TVs that grew up with the old uh, channel selecting switch. Oh yeah. Uh, no remote control. You know, if you wanted to change channel, you got up and changed it and you had about four channels. Um, and so the old tube technology, it's, it's fun to uh, recollect on and see, you know, the size, the sheer size and mass of what's there compared to what we replace it with is just, um, amazing a lot of times you hear people talk about like our parents grandparents the stuff they saw from the horse to the car and that kind of thing uh, and sometimes i think we get jaded to what we see in our generations of we had these massive you know 80 pound monitors that took up a huge amount of space uh, to something that weighs less than a pound and you know smaller than a shoebox um, and has you know 10 times the capacity and and resolution that the old stuff did. It's a pretty remarkable change. And, you know, that's, that's what's so crazy when we were looking, you know, when, when I was looking at the consoles as they were being unloaded, I saw the inside um, of the consoles for the first time. And that to me was really striking about how they were laid out internally. Cause I'd seen a lot of pictures of the consoles being used, but never of how they were constructed. Can you, can you talk a little bit about, you know, like the design of those and if there's been, you know, any challenges uh, sure. related to the restoration process because of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're laid out. Uh, you know, one of the things that really impresses me about the space, uh, about NASA in itself, and especially about the space program back the Apollo era, you know, Mercury, Gemini, and that era was the amount of people and the amount of manpower that went into the whole process. Uh, when you see the inside of the consoles and you see the wiring, um, just the simple um, wiring that they did and the routing of the wire and uh, the electronics, uh, you know, this was not a one person job. This was not something, you know, that somebody did in a day. Um, you know, everything was meticulously laid out um, even the components themselves, you know, it took a lot of time to do what they did to build these components. It's really quite impressive. Um, they were built to withstand the test of time and, and to be there for a while, you know, comparatively to our throwaway stuff that we have now where, 
you buy it when it doesn't work you just throw it away you know this stuff was made to work on it was made to last it was made to take a beating um and it was made to troubleshoot as well well i'm glad you mentioned you know the the fact that it was built to last because when i was looking at the inside of the consoles back in january i noticed there was you know different different stamps from different times when they upgraded it for the shuttle program you know, what are some of the interesting things you've found in the process of restoring these, you know, like uh, different components from different dates, um, just, you know, other things inside the console. Talk a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. Um, a lot of the components, you know, they had to be inspected every year. You find a lot of inspection tags on the components from, you know, from whenever they were used. Um, they also, NASA always did an inventory every year. A lot of these components are, believe it or not, in an inventory all the way down to the small component. And they would go around every year and take an inventory, make sure everything was there. So it's been interesting, um, even though the stuff was not used after the mid-90s, after the shuttle program uh, was closed in that Moker room, um, you know, they still have inspection stickers on them. Um, wow. There are some that aren't as old as some. Sometimes you run onto a... Oh, could be a power supply, could be a, a different component that was just a, a indicator um, with indicator lights. Um, some of them go back clear to the 60s. And so it's been kind of neat to see the, um, you know, hey, even though this was used in the 60s, they used this forever. You know, I mean, it, it didn't change. Some pieces obviously had to change um, as the technology did, but some of it, again, you know, lasted for a long time. Well, and it's it's kind of a testament to how those things were built. Then if that's, you know, that's just incredible. Oh, that sure. There's that many, you know, older components in there. What are some of the more interesting things that have been found inside the consoles? You sure. Know, just one like of, random things you wouldn't even think of. <laughs> yeah. One of the funny things we found, I found it just the other day. We all had to kind of take a picture of it and laugh um, <laughs> on the P tube stations. And for those that don't know what the P tube stations are, those were, um, the communication devices they would use like at a bank um, where you would stick the tube in and a pneumatic air duct would take it from place to place. Um, yeah. In the P-tube station itself, there is a little sensor switch underneath as we were cleaning, um, you know, that obviously I'm not exactly sure what this sensor switch was for without looking it up a little bit more, but there was a sensor switch that was shimmed with a popsicle stick. And um, <laughs> yeah, So, you know, you know, they had stuff like that, too, that, you know, even as 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 magnificent as NASA is and technology, you know, um, you know, and especially if you talk to the old astronauts, they were still down to earth guys that if something needed fixed, find a way to fix it, even if it's a popsicle stick. That is fantastic. You know, that's those are the kind of things that you might not know about unless you were to actually like you guys are doing right now, you're taking oh, the no. consoles apart and making sure they're able to be restored. So being able to find, I'm sure there's a crazy story behind that popsicle stick. I, I'm sure there. there is. Yeah. I'd love to know. it. <laughs> no <laughs> doubt. Oh my. Well, you know, and that's the type of thing that it sounds like, you know, NASA and I believe that like the national park service is even involved with this is making sure like all of those things are cataloged down to the popsicle stick as it were. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the room, the Mocha room is a historic landmark. So an NHL as they call it. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, the park service is involved, you know, to make sure that, you know, this looks, um, you know, appropriate and that, it, you know, yeah, all this stuff, you know, is documented and 
uh, recorded and it, and it's great. It, I'm like you say, I'm sure there's tremendous stories behind some of the stuff. For sure. You know, and that's one of the things as, you know, as we approach the 50th anniversary of Apollo 11, you know, this is the perfect time to be restoring these consoles. Can, can you talk a little bit about what the next, you know, the rest of this year looks like, and then sure. also leading up to the anniversary itself, what, what's going to be happening at Spaceworks at the Cosmosphere in order to get the Mocha consoles ready? Sure. Yeah. So um, right now we're going to um, be completing the first round, uh, which will take us into the fall, late fall, early winter of this year, um, which at some time um, we will go, we will take what we have. uh, We will take that back to Houston um, where it will go back to the Moker. It will not be installed right away um, simply because the next two rows, um, if you've ever been in the Moker, are on different levels. Well, the last two rows are on the third and fourth level, um, so to speak. So if we install the first two rows, it will be in our way to get the last two rows down and in. So um, the first two rows will basically sit in the moker toward the front of the room um, while they work on carpet, wallpaper, and other things. Um, We will grab the last two rows um, and uh, bring them back like we did this, go through the same process. Um, We will, you know prep them, we'll clean them, we'll start to put the right parts in, you know, as we can, light them up, put data on the screens. And then um, in the spring um, of 2019, um, we will take those two rows back and we'll have all the rows back in the moker. And at that point in time, we'll begin to set them in place, uh, test them, um, power them up, get them all set, get them secured down. um, And get them ready for July um, so that uh, as viewers come in and they start to have events that the consoles are all ready to go for power and they can uh, shine once again. That, that sounds fantastic. You know, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward. I'm going to try to get down there myself, hopefully um, around that anniversary. So I'm looking forward oh, to yeah. seeing the restored consoles. I was able to see, Oh gosh, it was back in 2016. I went to Houston and I wasn't able to do the the big level nine tour where you get to go behind the scenes and everything, but I was right, able right. to sit in that guest room and I, I'm really looking forward to seeing the consoles after they're restored. Oh yeah. And you know, I think too, one of the things is we're sitting there, you know, we have these consoles and we have a lot of them lit up and the screens have data on them and that time it's in the shop and they still look like a uh, inanimate object, so to speak, even though they are, they just, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a console still. And I think uh, once a person gets them in the room and they get powered up and then, you know, a lot of these um, uh, guys that worked in the room, ex, you know, ex um, moker guys are donating, you know, personal stuff, folders, coats, cigarette oh, ashtrays, wow. whatever, you know, I think once a person gets papers on them and, you know, because these consoles were never just sitting there powered on with nothing around them. You know, they were, yeah. it was a tool. They, they were made to be used. And yeah. so I think once that room starts taking that and you start to see these papers and, you know, jackets and chairs, you know, uh, it will take again on another level of just simply having a console, you know, sitting there with power on, um, you know. So I think that will be really cool too, as that, as that evolution takes place place and then they start to really become alive and oh wow this you know are they using this room or you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) they're breathing life into them again that's really awesome yeah 
Well, and you know, like the front room consoles, that's what everybody sees if you, you know, if you've been to Houston. But the Cosmosphere also has a lot of the back room consoles. And for some of those, if students are coming out for space camp at the Cosmosphere, can you talk a little bit about the uh, consoles that they're able to use? Yeah. So uh, what we did this year was we have um, up in our, uh, for our Falcon simulator, for our space shuttle simulator, uh, we uh, just redid the mission control room that we use. And we took some of these backroom consoles, which the same size, shape, color, um, everything's the same about them, um, and integrated them into our mission control room. And then what we did, rather than take them back to 1950, so to speak, is mm-hmm. we took them to 2020. Uh, we put new computers in them and new monitors. And even though the look is still, they still look like shuttle um, with all the faces, with the push buttons and that kind of stuff. All the insides are actually communicating with each other, um, with the Falcon simulator itself, um, and with new technology. And so they're able to, you know, get to the Internet. Um, They're able to, you know, show Google Earth and show um, feed from the ISS, live feed from the ISS right on the console. So which kids think is great. No doubt. Well, I mean, you know, for you personally, that's got to be incredibly rewarding not to be able to, you know, just the uh, the consoles for space camp, but now also the actual Moker consoles. I mean, you get to see the past and, you know, now the future. You know, talk a little bit about what that means to you. Yeah, no, it, it it's very, uh, you know, it's, it's really incredible. And sometimes you just have to kind of stop. Um, like I said, even in the shop, sometimes once we get one lit up and stuff and just stop and, hey, you know, you know, last time these were like this, you know, uh, we were either putting somebody in the space shuttle or we were putting somebody on the moon, you know? And so um, you just have to kind of sometimes stop and go, wow, this is, this is something. These things are really, you know, really quite impressive pieces. Um, and, um, you know, then the same with the, once we get them into camp, you know, then, you know, you have a generation that, you know, was born before the, you know, that was born after the space shuttle quit, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so t- for them to, be able to sit behind something like this that, you know, wasn't even in existence when they were alive, you know, is, is really cool. And to be able to tell them, yeah, that's what these were used for. And they can go back and, you know, and look in their classroom and their history and say, Hey, I know what that is, you know, and have some personal one-to-one of what they were actually, you know, reading about in their books in school and what they're actually doing in the summer. That, yeah, I mean, for me, you know, even, even as an adult, that's a pretty cool thing to be able to have that connection. So I think you guys are doing some incredible work there. And next time I'm out in August for space camp for myself, I'll definitely <laughs> have to check out the progress. Oh yeah. 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 Definitely stop by the shop. Cause like I said, yeah, they're there. They look a whole and not a whole lot different. Um, you know, that's one of the things that a lot of people, um, and we hope to be able to somehow, some way, uh, get across to people or present to people because if you aren't really familiar with them, if you were to take a shuttle one and stick it by one that we've retro uh, retrofaced or um, taken back in time, you mm-hmm. know, you may not notice a whole lot of differences um, mm-hmm. until you start looking at some of the pictures. And um, that's what kind of really, you know, set it off for us in a sense is in order to make some of the buttons light, try to get it as close as we can to what would have been mm-hmm. on at a certain point in time is you start looking at the pictures 
and you're like, oh yeah, they do look different. Yeah, they do look different. You know, if you just have two of them sitting side by side, nothing's lit up and they're, you yeah. know, sometimes a guy, oh, what's, what's the difference? Well, when you start looking at the pictures, like, oh yeah, there is a difference. <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to being able to see that, you know, firsthand here soon. So sure. Jack, thanks for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for having us. And we'll talk to you soon, John. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Cosmosphere podcast. Make sure you share and subscribe to the show. If you enjoyed the podcast, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are critical to the success of podcasts, so we'd appreciate it if you could take just a minute to leave a rating or review. They help even more people find out about the incredible work that's done at the museum. For the Cosmosphere, I'm John Mulnix.